Welcome, Bouncer Backers, to this week's episode of Bouncing Back Stronger, the podcast where we explore the incredible power of resilience, personal growth, and triumph over adversity. I'm your host, Sarah Jane Vasquez, and I'm thrilled to embark on this transformative journey with you. Whether you're seeking inspiration, guidance, or simply reminded that you're not alone on your journey, Bouncing Back Stronger is here to support and empower you. We believe that every setback is an opportunity for a comeback, and every challenge is a chance for growth. Let's go. Welcome back to Bouncing Back Stronger. Part two of our conversation with Angela Kerwin, writer and podcast host of Hyperactive Impulsive Inattentive Living. Today, Angie opens up about the strategies she employs to care for herself and navigate her life with ADHD. She offers a glimpse into how she's come to view herself through the lens of her diagnosis. And she sheds light on the importance of self-awareness and self-care. So join us as we explore Angie's ongoing journey and the wisdom she shares. Was there a little bit about you that was a little bit afraid of normality again? I'm not sure. Probably, yeah. I think... I think I'm just very good in a crisis and not very good with normality. And I think that's that's probably part of the ADHD thing. I think that's that's like symptomatic of ADHD that just normal life is just so tedious and boring that you just sabotage yourself. Yeah. Whereas, I mean, the breaking of the leg, I've kind of already done the sabotage. It hadn't had that. It happened. Yeah. So then I just had to get on with it. No, whether it's also like, you know, as I said, we'll talk more in a moment about the ADHD diagnosis, but if it's also, you know, sometimes I've put myself in such difficult situations through self-sabotaging that I always say to myself, oh, now I've got to kind of, here we go, here's the struggle, here's getting everything back to normal, here's the fight, here's this. And I sometimes think, do you enjoy this bit? Mm-hmm. You know, do you like, mm-hmm. like the, the fight back? Or, you know, it, everything would have been just so much simpler if you hadn't have self-sabotage do you, do, do you know yeah i think I, circle vicious circle that you can allow you you can go into if you allow it i think there's something about getting your teeth stuck into difficult situations that that engages my brain a lot yeah i quite like it's kind of like problem solving isn't it it's like oh i can get really deep into solving this problem that i created for myself I two months ago because i yeah, exactly i mean Life would have been just so much easier, you know. So you came, so your your foot got better, but it still didn't stop your quest for, I don't know, your extreme. Reinvention, yeah. Becoming becoming an Instagram goddess with a thigh gap and a quiet mind. That was like, that was it in my head. I had this image of like, you know, I'm going to have like my hair that's always been quite like, thin and ratty he's going to suddenly turn into like a brilliant blow dry every morning and I'm just going to glow yeah I just I just the internal narrative in my head was just berating me for everything all the time it was just getting like worse and worse and worse and like on paper that was the year that my first book came out I should have been really enjoying that and I wasn't I just felt like well it's not good enough it's not on the times bestseller list so so I'm a failure and just not giving myself credit for anything. And that's when I was like, I need to have some therapy now. 
I was like, if I'm on this quest of reinvention, self-improvement, yeah. go and do the hard thing. So I went and were got therapy. The and, time, yeah. Were you still at the time thinking of writing this second book? Or had you- uh, yeah, it was just, I was kind of like, on? oh, it can, it can be a chapter in your book about, ha, huh, you're going to try therapy and that'll be funny for a month to write a chapter about like reinventing yourself through therapy. How are you it was all a bit of a, yeah, a bit of a joke. And actually, I think what I have learned from this journey is that not, you can't just do these quick fixes. You can't just go and do like the green juice diet for two weeks and think that your brain's going to change. It's not like you've got to kind of get into the weeds and figure out who you are underneath it all. And and that's what therapy kind of helped me do. Yeah. So what did you, you know, so what, what was something that you, I guess, really got from therapy right in the beginning? Because I think it's so, your direction there, didn't it? It really did. This kind of links in with so I got a personal trainer when I when I broke the leg. And my personal trainer, I've had a chat with him on my podcast and he just so happens to be like the most holistic, wonderful, kind man ever. But he had me tracking everything, like my sleep, my moods, my stress levels. Mm. And with him, I'd started to see patterns. I'd started to realize like my menstrual cycle, like, oh my God, it's the most regular men- menstrual cycle ever. And I'd never known this, ever. I was always like, surprised every month when my period showed up yeah like every single month every every four weeks in tears like my life's a mess i hate myself i'm gonna break up with my boyfriend because he doesn't understand me and then not really now that's your that's your your yeah emt basically yeah two days later my period would arrive and i'd be like oh i feel fine now what was all that about but that has been happening my whole adult life and i've never recognized the pattern Mm -hmm. And then going into therapy, I think for me, the big thing is starting to see patterns in myself, starting to see, oh, this is a repetition of that situation. Like, oh, you, you res- like, I respond in a similar way to every situation. Yeah. Why is that? And that's what it did for me. It helped me start to see patterns, which made me realize that I've been told, my mum told me when I was 18 that I had ADHD. And I never did anything about it. I didn't think there was anything I could do about it. How do you think your mum noticed that you had ADHD? So my mum has always worked in like children and early years. That's her career. But even then, I think it wasn't until like 2008 that they said adults could have ADHD. It was just Mm. a boy thing, a little boy thing. It's spoken about a lot more now, isn't it? And you're quite right. Yeah, yeah. It was just young boys, badly behaved boys. They've got ADHD. Yeah, exactly. And just recently, I'd say over the past say, couple of years, it's come a lot yeah. more into the forefront. In particular, obviously, the celebrities, isn't there now, that said they've had an ADHD diagnosis and it's changed their life. And I even, mm-hmm. I know people myself who, with that, have had the courage then, I think, or maybe the knowledge to go to their GPs and be assessed. I'm thinking of one friend in particular who said that being now on medication has just changed her life. Um, However, I know myself, because I've also been to my GP to ask about me, that there is quite a waiting list in the NHS. So it's a little bit difficult if people don't go private. We'll come to that in a moment. So, you know, yeah, your mum was quite, your mum was probably not surprised then when you were later diagnosed. 
Yeah, I mean, she she absolutely saw it in me. And I I told everyone from the age of 18, like, oh, I've got ADHD. I didn't... <laughs> Without a doubt. Like, 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 I tick the boxes so hilariously well. I think it's pretty obvious that that's what I've got. But yeah, I didn't think there was anything I could do about it. And I also, I didn't know enough about it to actually think this is what's the driving force behind these like negative patterns in my life or the way I talk to myself in my head or the stupid impulsive things I do. I kind of just thought that was me. And if I try harder and if I reinvent myself and if I just try harder, I'll be this different person I want to be. And I never really put it together with, oh, that might be a symptom of this thing. But yeah, but after starting therapy, I kind of just thought, well, well, why not? Why not get diagnosed? I didn't, I didn't expect to have medication or anything. I just did it. Is it something that was brought up in therapy with your therapist? Did she mention it to you or it was simply because maybe you'd gone to therapy, you thought maybe I really do need to look into this now. There was a motivation. Yeah. Yeah. She never said it to me because I think I told her during our first sessions, I was like, oh, my mum says I've got, you know, my mum told me I've got ADHD. I'm not diagnosed. I mentioned it to her, but I think it was more what I get... (sighs) What I really like about therapy and what really helps me is not just during our sessions, but after then I'll do a lot of reflection afterwards. And yeah, that's really important. Yeah, but and the kind of like the aha moments often come to me a couple of days later rather than in the session. And and I think because I'd started therapy, it felt like, okay, I'm starting to do things for my mind. It didn't feel like another really big leap to then go on and have a diagnosis but yeah I paid privately because I'm impatient and I couldn't be bothered waiting but also because I live out of a bloody backpack half the time I don't know which country I'm going to be in yeah yeah so yeah I paid privately and got a diagnosis in the UK oh to the UK yeah in the UK yeah yeah I am in Italy I think they're like a long long way behind us I don't think they really I think they've got one ADHD adult service for the whole country oh gosh and so I didn't have a diagnosis. I never thought I'd take medication, but I do now. But in Italy, the only medication they offered was Ritalin. And I knew that I wouldn't want that type of medication. So yeah, I went through it in the UK instead. So Ritalin wouldn't have been appropriate anyway for your symptoms, you know? Yeah. I, I, you know, I'm not, gosh, an expert in ADHD at all, but there is differences, isn't there? I think it's like a spectrum, like autism, you know, there's a spectrum of symptoms even though you're ADHD and I think especially ADHD in women and and adult women can be very very different to that of you know men or young boys or girls you know yeah and yeah I'm not an expert on the medication side of things at all and I I wouldn't say to everyone like have it don't have it for me it's pretty life-changing but for me the diagnosis itself the diagnosis alone was life-changing because I suddenly started to know myself a bit better. Um, yeah, I could kind of like look back through my life through this through this lens and say like, oh, okay, this isn't just, you're not just a terrible person who's a massive failure at everything. Yeah, it really helped me just be really kinder to myself. And and I think, yeah, I think the kind of end of that, that like journey of reinvention that ended up with me getting this diagnosis has been realizing that reinvention for one is not possible for two it's not going to make you feel how you want to feel anyway and I think the only way you're going to 
find peace or find some level of contentment within your brain is learning to like yourself. And I'm I'm pretty much there now. I think there are. D- I mean, the past couple of days I've been a bit of a um, aggy little gremlin. But previously, I would like really beat myself up for that. Whereas now I'm like, okay, that's okay. You're human. Like, just try and be a bit nicer to everyone. More. And you're allowed to have these off days. You know, you're allowed as well. I think ADHD or, you know, and I'm not just saying people with ADHD are like this, but perhaps sometimes you think you've always got to have, I did a post on this morning, actually, you have a hundred percent every single day. You know, that, that, that glass has got to be full. You've got to be doing X, Y, and Z. And if you're not doing it, then you are a failure. And actually it's yeah. not that at all. It's more about listening to yourself and paying mm-hmm. attention to yourself and you know, it's prob- probably bandied around a little bit, but that element of self-care and compassion and kindness to yourself, how you would treat a friend or what suggestions would you give to a friend? Because you'll know that if you are giving yourself unrealistic expectations or unrealistic goals or trying to be a superwoman every single day, we all know where that leads to. Yeah, yeah. And and I think it's that all or nothing thinking. It's that very black and white thinking of I will either be a superwoman or I'll be a complete failure. Maybe. I can't be, I can't just be a normal human being middle. with good things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and also there are times when I have been a bloody superwoman, like published a book. I've done like Ironman triathlons. I've done like, I've done all this cool stuff. And still I wasn't happy. Mm-hmm. I didn't feel like I was a superwoman at the time. So do you think I when think you were what, doing those things, you were doing it for other people and not necessarily for yourself? No, I was I was doing it, especially like the big sporty things I do yeah. or used to be. Ironman triathlon. Yeah, I've done you like... Know, oh, having a run, but you go and do an Ironman triathlon. Yeah. <laughs> I did it. Part yeah. Of, part of the no, no, no. But it's, it's appeared in the book actually now as a flashback as a, to kind of show an example of being driven by a motor. Mm. which is one of the symptoms of ADHD. Mm. No, I I did real endurance sports because it was the only way I could get my mind to be quiet. Like doing just long distance running. I'm like, oh, occasionally I get that brain piece where my body's so tired that just the internal 20 million thoughts just shut up for like 10 minutes and it's the best feeling in the world. I didn't realize like other people exist like that just normally sometimes. But no, with things like the Ironman, I think I did things like that or do things like that because I know because I know the training requires really intense structure. Yeah. And I know that it's a short-term structure. So it's like a four to six month training period yeah. or writing a book. It's four to six months of intensively doing it. I really don't trust myself without structure in my life. And I feel like yeah. the wheels fall off if there's not structure. And I feel like that's when I'll just go and self-destruct and blow up my life and do do a madness. Well, I think that's um, a part of ADHD, isn't it? That you yeah. need this routine. You know, I know myself, If, as I said, I've not been diagnosed, but I'm self-diagnosed. Yeah, no. I it, think, it, I mean, especially when we're working for yourself, especially as a writer, you have to put that structure in. It's not like you're going yeah. to a nine to five and here's your lunch hour, you know. Yeah. It's you have to put that into your day. You know, I know that I must have a billion diaries, a billion timetables, a billion pads where I like trying to get some real schedule that works for me though as well. Because I can also be unrealistic. 
you know, maybe I'll put exercise 5 a.m. Monday to Friday and then you just go, that's ridiculous. That's not going to happen. Yeah. You know, why yeah. you put yourself under that pressure? Let's be a bit more realistic here. So you've got to have that structure. And I guess when you're doing competitions or you're doing certain things, there's your structure right there. And that's why after the leg, once you come out to like the rehabilitation side or, you know, just in that middle bit, you were starting to get better. Yeah. In your life in particular. And I think it's a really funny one because I say that, I say I need to create structure by, okay, a training plan for a marathon takes four months or whatever. But then I actually live this life where every six months I move to a different place. Mm. And, I've, and I've done that, you know, for the past six or seven years now. I worked, when I left prison, I, the job to pay the bills was just working for a travel company. And every season they can move you to a different country if they want to. And so I think that's why... I had to create some sort of structure and routine through the things I do because I don't think my life itself has any structure in the way that you'd you'd recognize it normally. So how have you created some structure now? Oh gosh. Well at the moment, as I, as I told I'm in France, I'm living out of a backpack because I was meant to buy a house two weeks ago and it didn't work. What I try to do now is make sure I have my therapy every two weeks. That's kind of in the calendar. And it's just a really silly thing my therapist has done with me since day one is she makes me arrange the next one during our session. Yeah. And that really, really helps me. Yeah. I am the queen of the online calendar. I have my Google calendar and everything goes in there. So even if it's like, it's my turn to walk the dog in the morning, that has to be in the calendar. If it's, I have to schedule in relaxation time, I'll have to schedule you know, that you in. Do it if you don't schedule it or is that because you know that you'll forget if you don't do it or something can easily easily distract you because that that's quite common in ADHD isn't it easily distracted yeah i think i'll end up i'll i'll end up distracted i'll do other things instead i don't think i'm the kind of person that does nothing i'm not very good at sitting still i'm more yeah. like the very like i'm more like the hyperactive boy ADHD i'll i'll be off climbing trees instead of walking the dog so I think it's more distraction with me, but I think it's to try and bring some sense of balance into my life. So I'll colour code things like all my things that are meant to be fun have to be one colour, whereas all my business meetings are another colour, whereas writing is another colour. Yeah. And that's because I can look at that and then see very easily, like there's nothing in pink this week. Why are you not doing anything fun? Uh, really good idea. Because Yeah, because I... It sounds really silly, but I really enjoy working. I really enjoy being busy and doing things that I think are purposeful. But that comes with, like, I'll neglect my relationship. I'll just expect my boyfriend to be, to allow me for every night, stay up till midnight, faffing around on my website or writing a book. Yeah. And, um, and I've learned, like, if you're in a relationship, you kind of got to compromise a bit, haven't you? You've got to give them some of your time. And to be yourself as well. You know, uh -huh. it's just yeah. that because you've always been used to working or being busy, you, you're uncomfortable. As you said, you're not doing nothing. Rest is very important or being sociable with your boyfriend is very important or with others taking time out is very important. But you've got to see that, haven't you? You've got to, mm. and at first it's really uncomfortable, but we have to do these uncomfortable things so that they become comfortable. If you know what I mean. Absolutely. No, absolutely. It's like repetition makes it easier. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, so I think that's, that's kind of like how I try to structure things now. 
but I think it's all a work in progress. I don't think I'm very good at balance still. Like me and my boyfriend over the past week have been talking about how we don't have enough time for having fun in our relationship. We don't make the time for that. And and we really have to like reset that and okay, let's schedule in those times because if there's anything empty on my calendar, I'll fill it with some harebrained new project. If I've got kind of six hours free, I'll be like, oh, well, I'll go and write myself an ebook then or, oh, I'll go and, I don't know, I'll go and, yeah, do a 25-hour hike somewhere or something stupid. So so that's me trying to make structure in my life. But also having now had therapy consistently for a year, now taking ADHD meds, I don't need that structure quite so much. I'm not so scared of the, yeah, yeah. And I'm not so scared of, oh, if I've got empty time, am I just going to completely self-destruct because I'm more chill now. I'm more happy with who I am now. And it seems that you've, you've made more of a relationship now with yourself. So, you know, perhaps there's a, more trust within yourself now you're beginning to trust you whereas of course like two years ago perhaps or three years ago no way could you trust yourself it's almost like yeah doubt was creeping in constantly so and and an element of anxiety oh no I can't possibly go and do that because I know what will happen if I do that the consequences so I'll have to do this instead whereas now perhaps with a combination of your therapy medication and that development you know or progress within yourself and your self-love is starting to all come together. And do you know what, Angie? We're all we're all a work in progress. You yeah. Know, always, yeah. Always constantly evolving, always constantly learning, you know. And sometimes things just come to us at the right time. Yeah. I think that's one of the nicest things I've learned is I thought I was going to do this reinvention journey for 12 months and then I would be this person that I was going to be for the rest of my life. It's wonderful. And who is it? You know, who is it? No. And Angie, you know, I, my vision board goddess, my like vision board yeah. Instagram perfect woman. Um, but actually, the realization of like there isn't an end product of who I am, there isn't like this is me now, and that's okay. And, and I, I say this I feel a lot happier perfection as well. It doesn't exist, does it? No, you know, no, you see the let's say you see the Instagram goddess or what you think is an Instagram goddess, you know, on Instagram, you know. There's still a filter. There's still a warped reality. It's still not real. You know, yeah. it just takes us some time to go, oh, yeah, getting yeah, that. You know, it's just human. Pretty cool the way I am. Thanks very much. Yeah. And that, that's something that I think I've never done before. I don't think I've ever celebrated my achievements before. I think previously it's been like, right, this thing done, book published, on to the next. Instead yeah. of just sitting and being like, that's a really cool thing. You've done like your books in bookshops, go and go and enjoy that. Go and give yourself credit for that. I'm trying to do that a lot more now. I think I'm trying to celebrate. And yeah. Therapy will help with that as well, because I think we're, we can all be susceptible to being our own worst critic, you know, yeah. criticizing ourselves and, oh, you know, I didn't do, you know, you published a book. I bet you picked everything out of it you know oh no oh I should have wrote that chapter differently you know it's a, like you're a podcaster like myself you know if I ever listen to it back which I hate doing I sit there cringing oh you say this word too much oh you've got that wrong oh you know like constantly criticizing whereas if I'm listening to a podcast by somebody else I don't think of any of those things I'm just listening to the topic yeah you know yeah it's absolutely crazy so 
really something to take away from this conversation today. Give yourself a break, reflect, look at what you are doing and stop the comparison because the only person that perhaps you should be comparing to is just yourself. No one else. Yeah. No one else. Yeah. I think the words that I keep when I keep coming back to these words where I feel like I give myself just like a bit more grace now. Mm-hmm. I give myself kind of the grace that I would give to other people. Like like when I worked in prison, I never judged any of those people. I was like, okay. no, okay, you've done these bad things, but you can change your life. Whereas with myself, I was just like unrepentantly critical, just constantly. And I feel like I've learned to give myself grace. And I think that's really probably like the biggest learning that that you're okay as you are and when you do good things celebrate them when you do not so good things that's okay too yeah so yeah acceptance yeah that's the right word acceptance yeah that like all right i'm pretty cool i'm okay accept me you know yeah and actually not everybody is you know not everybody is going to accept me and that's okay too yeah yeah so uh, yeah, and uh, I was just gonna say, and yeah. and saying all this out loud, it feels so different to how I felt eighteen months ago. And yeah. I think eighteen months ago, I wouldn't have been able to. I wouldn't have been this emotionally vulnerable, this emotionally honest in public. I I would have pretended that that like, you know, the the image I portrayed to the world of someone who's got all their shit together and and someone who's got these like external achievements. Mm that's who I would want to present to the world. Whereas now I'm just like, ah, I don't really care. I think everyone's just trying the best, aren't they? And I'm quite comfortable with being open about that now. So everyone's a bit messed up, you know? Everyone's yeah, doing yeah. the best in the world, you know, doing what they can, you know? You know even, you know, I was reading something on LinkedIn and even like the the most, as we, as I perceive perhaps someone, the, one of the most successful or most successful people, they still haven't got it all figured out. Yeah, you know, exactly. just think they have, but they haven't, you know, and it's a revelation. I think it gives you a level of freedom, you know. Yeah. So what's next for Angie then? What's on the cards? So I'm meant to be getting the big house on the, the 13th of September, oh, the bank had said. So I'll be doing a massive renovation project on a big Italian farmhouse. Um, yeah, I mean idiotic is probably the better word in that we've got no money we don't know what we're doing but we've got lots of enthusiasm which is like the story the story of my life yeah Yeah. more more enthusiasm than sense but yeah that's like the big project and i've written the manuscript with that though aren't you aren't you hoping to oh oh yes so the dream the big plan so we'll open it into a space where there'll be kind of like holiday accommodation on there but the dream of that is so like charitable organizations from the UK can bring over their teenagers who maybe haven't experienced the mountains before or, you know, the the little naughty kids who could go down the wrong path or they could just get the dopamine from going skiing instead. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, we're hoping to open it as like a community space that people can come out to. Marvelous. Yeah, like writers will be able to just come out there for a week if they need to come out and do the writing. That's the dream. Create a real community in our big tumbling down house once it's got a roof on it. Yeah. I'm sure it'll be fantastic. It sounds amazing. And it sounds exciting. It is the next chapter. And a community there. Community is, as you said as well, is really important. That support. As you said, you know, even going back to your nan, caring for nan, she needed that support around her. Yeah. You know, and 
you know, I think we all do. And then opening, opening up little communities to children, you know, teenagers where they feel sense of belonging, understood, you know, it's just incredible. It'd be an incredible opportunity and I'm sure it will, it will come off. So before we end, it's two things. First thing is what's one takeaway you could give our listeners today, Angie? A bit tricky out for all that, but. It's a very floaty one because it's kind of like be kind to yourself today. But I suppose a more practical way of doing that is just write down like five things that you like about yourself. Yeah, I think that really helps. Journal it down, get it down on paper or speak to someone about things that you like about yourself. Yeah. Reminder that you're doing, you're doing okay. Yeah. Where can we find you, Angie? Oh gosh. So I am doing all my ADHD writing under hyperactive living on Substack. Okay. And I think it's hyperactive living on Instagram as well. Okay. If you want to look at my like seriously criminal justice writing, it's just Angela Kerwin UK on Twitter, LinkedIn, okay. on an Angela Kerwin website. But I'm in the process of kind of trying to combine them all in one place. But for now, ADHD at hyperactive living any criminal justice stuff at Angela Kerwin, UK. Okay, and your podcast? Oh, gosh, yes, thank you. <laughs> and um, it's a wonderful so, podcast, by the way. I've, I've been listening. I'm, I'm so bad at this self-promotion, aren't I? I've, I've got to learn to, like, promote myself. So the podcast is called Hyperactive, Impulsive, Inattentive Living, and that's Don't available worry, everywhere. Folks, I will put all of this in the show notes. <laughs> I wish I'd have given it a shorter title. It's the stupidest title ever. You could probably just type in hyperactive living and it'll show up. But yeah, that's, and that's for, you know, I interview people who are not diagnosed, people Mm -hmm. who I like occupational therapists, psychologists. Mm -hmm. So it's not just for people who've got a formal diagnosis. It's just if any of the, the ideas around neurodiversity kind of relate to you a little bit. Mm, Absolutely. Wonderful. Thank you very much, and it's been a pleasure. And thank you so much. I will will be following you with in. I will be following you in awe, shall we say, (laughs) and watching your journey, especially with the house and the community, things like that. Thank you, Angie. You take care. Thank you so much. It's been a joy. As we wrap up part two of our powerful conversation with Angie Kerwin, her wisdom does leave a lasting imprint. Her advice is a gentle reminder to pause, reflect, and extend to ourselves the same kindness we readily offer to friends. Her journey is one of self-discovery and self-compassion. So, with heartfelt wishes, we bid adieu to Angie, and we're certain that the vibrant community she envisions creating in Italy will be nothing short of a remarkable success. And I, for one, will look forward to hearing all about it in the future. Thank you for joining us on this two-part series and as always stay tuned for more empowering stories and lessons on Bouncing Back Stronger. See you next week. And that's a wrap for this episode of Bouncing Back Stronger. Thank you for joining me today. I hope you found inspiration and valuable insights to help you bounce back stronger in your own life. I'd love to hear from you so please feel free to share your thoughts insights or personal stories of resilience by reaching out to me via email or my social media channels in the show notes. I'll leave you with this. Resilience is a journey and we're in this together. Farewell for now, Bouncer Backers, and I look forward to seeing you all next week 
for more like this.